0: Good morning everyone and happy thursday and welcome to i take bravo very seriously with me your host dana mandel i'm excited about the episode today um i feel like we're on a more normal trajectory now of what this podcast is going to be and what the content i'm going to, co- going to cover um except for the valley um when that airs as i'll be covering that as well um so today's episode is basically going to be covering um a lot of news of the week because we have quite a bit in the bravo sphere uh we'll be covering rachel goes rogue vanderpump rules episode five as well as the vanderpump rules after show, Summer House from last Thursday, and I will also give you my thoughts on the Valley trailer. So let's just get right into it. He's a battered wife! Look at him! Okay, so let's get right into the news of the week, because there's quite a bit of news of the week this week in the week. Uh, We've got Portia Guabadia filing for divorce from her husband Simon Guabadia after 15 months of marriage. I was actually most surprised to hear that they have only been married for 15 months. Like, she was married when she was on The Real Housewives of Atlanta, to him, was she not? And she hasn't been on the show for a couple of seasons, so I actually thought it was much longer. I mean, as I mentioned in uh, my episode last week, um, he has all these citizenship issues in the U.S., um, his citizenship is basically, or his naturalization keeps getting denied because of his past with, like, fraudulent activity, so he's saying it has nothing, to, or, or I don't know, the allegations out there are that it doesn't have anything to do with his past and these whole deportation issues, but I mean, those just came up last week, and then she files for divorce this week, so it sounds pretty pretty spot on. Um, she ended up posting, like, black screen white words, thank you for your prayers and support. And Simon posted, I will stop loving my wife when my divorce is final. So it doesn't sound like he's given up there, but... Uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta cameras have not picked up yet, so I am really excited to see this all play out, hopefully including Simon and hopefully including a lot of fights. Uh, We know that Marlo Hampton and Sonya are not going to be coming back to Real Housewives of Atlanta. And we also already know that Candy is not coming back, so that leaves room for a lot of newbies. Um, I'm still waiting to hear if we are going to be getting uh, Phaedra Parks back, which would be fucking awesome. Um, So I'm kind of excited about where Real Housewives of Atlanta could potentially go, but I'm definitely glad we're getting this uh, storyline from Portia. This sounds like it'll be really interesting. So Sheena recently was granted sole ownership of her $2.5 million home. And this is just a home that she recently bought in the Valley. So she explained this on um, uh, Jeff Lewis Live because there was a lot of speculation as to why she would be doing this if it had to do with like divorce and that kind of thing. And she explained that, um, so she bought a house in Sherman Oaks and Brock, so Jeff says like, okay, so apparently Brock has deeded so he co-signed for the loan is that correct and sheena said he signed it was called like an interspousal deed and jeff said so he deeded the house to you and sheena said okay so jeff said so i understand so i'm imagining at this moment you tell us you are more of the breadwinner right now in your family and sheena said yes and sort of explains that um a little bit further i mean the thing about sheena and brock i mean so i mean she goes on a little bit to say like all right so it's a stand up guy he deeded the interest his interest back to you and sheena's like totally she said that she's the one who put the down payment on it it's in my name um she says that they've seen bankruptcy they've seen divorce and she's just like you know i'm gonna put down the down payment and he was like you know what the next property we'll buy that together she said that both of our names will be on it but for now since she's the breadwinner he respects that Um, It's our family home. He's still the one doing all of the work over there right now. She says she's not doing shit. She's just paying the mortgage. And um, Sheena explains that they have a prenup. She says that she knew, you know, after her first marriage, that this is something she wanted to do. He was like, yeah, whatever you want. I don't care about your things. And then um, Sheena's asked by Jeff Lewis, you know, what does Brock do for a living? And she said that when she met him, he owned F45 gyms down in San Diego. Then during the pandemic, uh, that wasn't going so great for gyms. So he sold those. Then he did an online fitness app, which was, I guess, the homebody fitness that he recently sold. And um, now he's developing two TV shows. Um, One is car-based and one is rugby-based. So that's sort of all we've Got on that, so I I don't know I'm a little bit confused about it because if they bought the house with both of their names and then he had to deed it to her, this sounds like a conversation that would have had happened post buying the home and both and post like signing all of the paperwork. So it is a bit confusing. I'm and there's nothing wrong with her being the breadwinner in the family, but I am just a bit confused about Sheena's financial situation because I mean we're not going to get into this even in this episode because this is going to be in the preview for next week's Vanderpump Rules but in the preview for next week's Vanderpump Rules Sheena mentions to Lala that um Sandoval lent her thousands of dollars during the pandemic because she had no money coming in but yet she owns the apartment in Marina del Rey and she has a house in San Diego and she has a house in um what does she have uh her vacation home I forget Uh um where that place is and now she has this home in LA so with four homes under your belt I'm a little bit confused about the financial situation and I'm really not understanding why Brock has been unemployed for so long I mean Sheena has so many friends I don't know why someone couldn't have just gotten him a job in a mail room so she doesn't have to be the sole breadwinner and to have to put that all under her belt but I, I am also sort of confused slash interested in his selling you know television production I don't know what he could possibly know about that but I guess we will see um, we know that Vicky is filming for The Real Housewives of OC, which we initially weren't sure that she was going to, but she was seen last Thursday, uh, filming a group scene in the hopes of a Trace Mika's reconciliation, but it led to an explosive feud. So what happened was, was that, um, she was brought back as a guest, not, not a guest or a friend of, whatever, not a full-time housewife. Um, she was brought to a big group outing on Thursday to confront Tamra, and then they couldn't hash out their issues and it turned into an explosive fight and um that's just sort of where it led so i'm curious to see where that goes i mean definitely i mean how can we not get some trace amigas information in the real housewives of oc this this season like we have Tamara, we have shannon but vicky is part of the trace amigas so we definitely need her input when it comes to the whole fight that went down when it comes to the breaking up of the, of the trace amigas right so i'm glad we're getting vicky on for that Whether she should be full-time, I really don't know. To be honest with you, Real Housewives of OC is the only franchise that I have not seen in full. Um, I have actually only watched this past season of OC, I was not an A1 Day 1 OC person, so I don't really know Vicky that well, but, you know, you can't give her this, like, lifetime housewife award or housewife of a, of a century sort of thing that Bravo gave her and then I'll make her a full-time housewife, but I don't know, I digress. Um, then we have Brandy Glanville is accusing Andy Cohen of harassment. So she says that Andy sent her a video when he was drunk and he wanted to FaceTime her and he wanted her to watch him have sex with another Bravo star, but then said like, thinking of you. And then Andy came out and said that that person he was in the video with was Kate Chastain. And he said that the video shows Kate and him clearly joking to Brandy and it was absolutely meant in jest. And Brandy's response uh, clearly communicated she was in on the joke. That being said, it was totally inappropriate and I apologize. And then Brandy posted a response saying, I have not received a personal apology from anyone. I saw an apology that Andy posted to his fans for his mistreatment of me and inappropriateness. I mean, I will take from Zach Peter on this and and his point of view on his podcast, um, No Filter with Zach Peter, where he's just like, Andy is not like sexually into women and we all know that um, he's a golden gay which is a term that I've just learned today from Zach Peter which means like you've never slept with a woman you've only ever slept with you know other gay men um, so obviously it was a joke she he, you know I don't really think Brandy feels sexually harassed by Andy I think she's very upset by the Caroline Manzo situation and doesn't feel like Bravo fully supported her in that I mean, an investigation is an investigation and a lawsuit is a lawsuit. I mean, there's only so much Bravo can actually really support her in that. Um, you know, the legal process has to play out, as Erica would say, right? We've just got to let the process play out. So I don't think she's putting the blame on the right people. Um, but sure, if, if you want to accuse some of that, that's fine. Um, Brielle Berman is engaged. So she is um, the daughter of... Kim Beerman, Zolziak Beerman from The Real Housewives of Atlanta, um, her boyfriend's name is Billy, that's sort of all I know, and, you know, good for her. Um, House of Villains has allegedly started filming already, um, apparently Teresa Judice is filming. I think that's sort of interesting, I don't know how well she would do on a show like this, that's all about competing with others, and, I mean, she's good at flipping over tables, but I'm not sure she's so good at, like, strategy. And like competition in that sense and alliances and and all of that. I don't think, quite frankly, she's intelligent enough for that. Um, So that's what we have there. Um, I have a little bit of an update on the Jackson-Brittany of it all. So we talked about this last week and I had said, you know, I really didn't want to say too much about it because I really just didn't believe it. Um, Not that I think that they're a magic golden couple or anything like that. I just, I just didn't believe it. I I don't know, I just didn't. But, um, you know, some people have come out with some pictures online showing pictures of um, crews in different homes, and you can compare the pools, you can compare the backgrounds and see how different they are. Um, And then Jackson and Brittany went on their podcast uh, last week and basically gave an explanation sort of um i will play that for you now and then we can discuss
1: i mean i think that we will have to address some rumors just a little bit i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go too hard on this because you know some people do deserve to have their privacy but i will say like marriage is hard and people go through ups and downs all the time and it's completely normal sometimes people might need their space sometimes they won't but like I just think that the media takes things and runs with it without knowing the true facts. And I just want to make one thing clear, and that is that my life is not a publicity stunt for anything. We filmed The Valley um months ago, months and months and months ago, and we're super excited for this to come out. And there's been so many changes that has happened in every single couple's lives, every single couple on the show. So I just want to make that very clear. I'm not going to touch too much on anything else, but definitely no publicity stunts are happening here and you know just respect people's privacy a little bit because the media is just getting a little bit out of control i agree um I but agree. and you also went so on a on a better note i just had to say something about that because it's just gone all over the place um,
0: okay so like i said not really an explanation i mean she's just basically saying that couples go through things and sometimes need their space I don't know if that's her way of confirming that when they need space, they stay in separate homes um, and then post, like I said, like these, these pictures of crews being in different homes have shown up post them filming this um, episode of when reality hits. So, you know, it is a little bit confusing as to what's going on there. Um, But, you know, it is something I said on my podcast last week where, you know, if they are just trying to confuse us, it's possible that they're doing this for the show. And Brittany's saying that's not the reason. You know, but that being said, you guys have been posting a lot of stuff and she's been liking a lot of quotes and posting a lot of quotes about like relationships and men being awful and and all of that stuff. So to say like, oh, you guys should respect our privacy and the media is too much. It's like, okay, but you guys are like posting quite a bit and buying into it quite a bit. And you you know, you have Jax post a picture with Lori Kay, his his public relations person in in sort of a flirty sexual sort of way. Of course, people are going to freak out. Of course, people are going to ask questions about it. So to say that this really isn't, for the media is a lie you you guys love the media but anyway I digress I'm always digressing all right Let's get into Tom and Ariana because they love that fucking house so much that they will just never let it go. So basically what's happening now is Tom Sandoval is saying that Ariana owes him $90,000 and he wants that cash before the sale of the house. So obviously what he's referring to here is the money that he believes that Ariana owes him for back pay for the mortgage that he has been paying for what he says the last eight months. And I guess he's saying that number has now totaled $90,000. Great. So then, um, Tom Sandoval actually ends up denying, um, the request to sell their home. And because he's saying that, um, she did not act reasonably and in good faith. So, so I'm just going to read you this Us Weekly article to give us a little bit more context. So it says, according to court documents obtained by People on Monday, February 26th, Sandoval claimed that Maddox failed to disclose sufficient facts to state a cause of action and therefore feels her partition of the residence should not be granted. The docs which were filed in Los Angeles on Friday, February 23rd also claimed that Maddox did not perform her lawsuit reasonably and in good faith as she failed to mitigate whatever damages she suffered via her own documents. In the case that a partition is granted, Sandoval has also requested to receive accounting and compensatory adjustments for any repair and improvements he's made that enhance the value per the outlet last month Maddox claimed in court documents obtained by us weekly that the discord between her and Sandoval is continuing to have a negative effect on the ownership of the home as well as affects Maddox's enjoyment of her interests of the co-owned property at the time Maddox asked the judge to have the resident to have the residence partitioned by sale which would instruct Sandoval to sell and split the earnings um so this is interesting and I wonder just with him refusing it what that means for the court documents um i'm not sure if that means that um a judge will not allow the partition if if he doesn't want the partition either and um biggest news of the week is that leah mcsweeney is suing bravo and andy this is fucking wild you guys so let me tell you what is going on here Okay, so Leah McSweeney is suing Bravo and Andy Cohen, claiming that they intentionally preyed on her alcohol problem in a cynical attempt to turn her suffering into record ratings. The former Real Housewives of New York City star claims in a hard-hitting lawsuit filed on Tuesday that the show won its best audience figures, even with an infamous episode known as Scary Island, in which one of its stars appeared to be confused, irrational, and losing touch with reality. McSweeney's lawyers claimed in the court papers that, knowing she was battling an alcohol addiction when she joined the show and had a history of serious mental health problems, they saw her vulnerable condition as an opportunity to hit the ratings jackpot again by messing with her head until she went off the rails in a similar way. In fact, the papers paint a picture of producers all but desperate to cause her to relapse in alcohol abuse trying over and over and over again to drive her to drink with a variety of methods from coaxing to coercion to refusing her time in her schedule to go to AA to retaliating against her for refusing to drink. And then the papers claim when she refused to drink, they simply tried other ways to mentally destabilize her in hopes of getting the on-camera meltdown they wanted so badly. McSweeney, who has been open about her mental health issues and even hosts a podcast in which she interviews top medical experts about addiction and other matters, claims in the court papers that their, that their alleged exploitation landed her in a psychiatric hospital. The news comes amid a flurry of legal activity concerning Bravo drugs, alcohol, and sexual harassment. Okay, so, yes, Bravo Isn't a great employer, sure. But I really think that Leah and people like Leah and people like Brandy are really taking advantage of the legal system and are not taking any sort of accountability for themselves, especially Leah. So when Leah joined Real Housewives of New York, she had been sober for a very long time, but then had started drinking again prior to the show. And then she had done that reality reckoning. I don't know, article that Bethany was involved in that got, like, zero interest because it had no concerning information. And, you know, what Leah had said in that was, like, oh, when she had started drinking again, Andy seemed disappointed that they weren't able to capture that on camera. What do you mean seemed disappointed or gave you the air of? I mean, you can't really, like, sue someone over, like, the faces they make when, when they tell you something. And I'm sorry, but this whole thing about the drinking and them trying to coerce you and drive you to it, this is a franchise that first of all, is about a bunch of women who party and drink and all of that. You knew that. You knew that going into the show. And you had been sober for a number of years. So to come back onto this, to, to come onto this show and to decide to drink again were both decisions of yours, not the show. When you, you started drinking before you were on the show, there's even people who are on the show that are sober, like Candy, like Lala, like so many other people who remain sober. And like, I think I've said this before, um, production and I think even Alex Baskin threw a five-year sobriety party for Lala. There are many sober people amongst the Bravo community. James Kennedy, Maddie Reese, they're both DJs. Like, Bravo is not, even if they are trying to force you, You have to take some ownership and some accountability as an adult woman. I'm sorry. Like, you can't blame people for the actions that you ended up taking, for the way that your life ended up turning out. And how is Bravo supposed to really know that you have, like, this severe alcohol abuse problem? And even if they were aware, it's still your job to sort of manage your... Life, right? If you've had this serious issue where you almost lost your family over it, you had the severe alcohol addiction, maybe you shouldn't have joined a show that is about drinking alcohol. Maybe you shouldn't have started drinking again when you joined the show. I mean, these are all things that you should have thought of when you put yourself in a situation that you knew would be triggering for you it will be difficult for you it's like me being on a diet and then getting mad at the pizza place for offering pizza right like they're allowed to offer pizza it's my i have to take accountability and i have to use my wherewithal or whatever the word is to not eat the pizza or not to enter the store that sells the pizza i don't know that's just sort of what i'm saying but then it went a little bit further, and um, there's there's some there's some additional claims. So now Leah is saying that Andy Cohen snorts cocaine with a coterie of favorite housewives. Um, so this this new bombshell lawsuit is painting him as. Um, or <laughs> painting a picture of the reality TV giant Bravo as a dysfunctional club that thrives off of hard drugs, encourages alcohol abuse, and turns a blind eye to sexually predatory behavior. Court documents filed on Tuesday by one of its former stars, Lyra McSweeney, even claim that it's an open secret that the network's figurehead Andy Cohen snorts cocaine with a coterie of its favorite Real housewife stars and doles out a special professional doles out special professional favors to his employees come personal party pals. Meanwhile, the paper. The papers claim that the network is aware that a different senior producer routinely sends unsolicited pictures of their genitalia to lower-level production employees, but the papers claim that the higher-ups have done nothing to stop it. The shock claims are part of the lawsuit in which McSweeney has filed about her alcohol problem. So she's she's adding that as well. I mean, if you're really trying to take down Andy Cohen in Bravo you could try. I I just really don't think it's going to happen. I really don't think anything's going to come of this. I mean, if he wants to snort cocaine with his housewife friends, so okay. I, I just, I just think she doesn't have as much as she thinks she does to take them down. And I think she's being very misinformed by her legal counsel. But anyways, you guys, that is it for news of the week.
1: Name him. that. What name them? Well, name what you did was ridiculous. Name him. uh Not having. Name uh, Well, be quiet. So name. Let him. me talk, Jesus.
0: So I don't know if you guys got the chance to watch the Valley trailer that came out this week, and it was pretty exciting to finally get the trailer because all we had was that weird. Promo teasery kind of thing, um, but yeah, let's break it down. Let's talk about it. So, as you guys should know, The Valley is the spinoff of Vanderpump Rules. It will air on March nineteenth, twenty twenty four. It's starring Kristen Doty from Vanderpump Rules, Jackson Brittany from Vanderpump Rules, and a series of other of their friends. Um, so, Kristen is the narrator of the trailer. She's saying she's forty now, and The Valley is where she needs to be. She's talking to her boyfriend, Luke, who we know from her podcast, Sex, Love, and What Else Matters. And she's talking to him in the trailer about getting pregnant and how they can't get knocked up any day of the week and they're still trying to figure out her ovulation. Yeah, this is a big issue going on in Kristen's life. I mean, especially with her being 40 now, she can't get pregnant as easily or in the same way that um, she could maybe if she was younger. And as we know, um, post-filming of this, she did end up getting pregnant and having a miscarriage. So that is very sad, Um, but it will be definitely interesting to watch them go through this pregnancy journey um, on the show, given that all of the other couples are either already pregnant or have kids or are still single um then we get um that Jax says that valley the valley is the next chapter of their lives um britney says that it's nice to have friends in the same stage of life as her so then there is jesse and michelle lally so jack says that he met jesse when he was 23 and they were models together in new york he's married to michelle and they have one daughter um the rest of the cast says that they're the bougiest in the group and jesse calls himself the number one crier in the group he says that he once had a friend tell him that once i realized you were a douchebag you were so charming to me And I think that's so funny because, like, once you just accept who you are, once other people accept who you are, like, almost like the Scott Disick, Disick of it all, right? Like, that's Scott. That's just who he is, right? So it seems like that's Jesse. But there's this one part in the scene where he's screaming at everyone at a dinner table and he's like, shut the fuck up! Let Michelle talk! And it was so, so, so reminiscent of a young Saucy Schroeder being like, everybody shut the fuck up! This is my fucking birthday! And so I definitely think Jesse Lally is our new, um, is our new Saucy Schroeder. But, you know, according to the rumor mills, um, Jesse Lally and Michelle Lally um, are possibly broken up, um, possibly going through a divorce. She has not been wearing her ring. She hasn't been posting any pictures with him for quite some time, except now that the Valley is premiering and the trailer is premiering. But so we'll definitely have to keep an eye on them in terms of a couple. Um, Kristen says that she wants to be Danny and Nia when they grow up when she grows up so Danny is an actor and Nia is an ex-pageant queen Um, they have three kids so they have like a a toddler and then like baby twins and Kristen says they are couple goals and family goals so they seem to be like sort of the perfect family or the perfect couple of the group that sort of seems to be their mo then we have Janet Janet is my soul she is my everything she is my favorite non-playable character of Anderpub rules if you don't know Janet, you need to know Janet. So Janet met Sheena um, when, I think around season six, they met at a pool party and uh, uh, Janet did know the show, and she spoke with Sheena because Sheena was the only person that she'd ever met before who had also been divorced in her twenties. So Janet is divorced, um, and she's been a staple of the show for many, many years as a background character. She was in Sheena's wedding, her most recent wedding, and um, you'll definitely recognize Janet when you see her on the show because she's definitely been around at all of the parties and all of the scenes. So Janet is now married to Jason Caperna. He is a lawyer. And she is currently pregnant. Now, she is the sweetest person I've ever seen in my life and always been very kind and sweet to me in our communications. Um, But in the trailer, she looks like a little bit of a monster. And I'm so surprised to hear, because when you hear Jackson Brittany talk about, like, all of the fighting that's been going on behind the scenes um, on the Valley, I really thought we were talking about Kristen, probably. But to hear that it might be Janet, I'm really surprised. But pregnancy does shit to people. Like, it really does. So Brittany says that Janet is somebody that she talks to every single day. And then we see Juna just, fuck, just fucking losing it over being pregnant. So she's like, I'm the passive aggressive one and Jason is more passive, but maybe I'm just more aggressive. Um, and then we see her fighting with Zach Wickham. So Zach Wickham, you may recall, um, he was Brittany's best friend uh, from Kentucky, and he's also best friends with... Kristen. And Janet says that she and Zach actually used to live together in the same apartment complex. And Zach says that's how Janet and Jasmine became friends. So Jasmine Good. Jasmine Good is also on the show. You may remember her from Nick Vile season of The Bachelor. She was also in one season of Bachelor in Paradise. She also was at Sheena's wedding last year as well. So you may recognize her from that. So Janet and Zach And Jasmine all used to live in the same building and all used to become friends but I guess ever since Janet became pregnant that caused a lot of strife between her and Zach so that's something we're going to play out or see play out. Danny says that the most dramatic of the group would be a three-way tie between Kristen, Jax, and Jesse, which sounds about right from what we've seen. Jesse does seem to have some anger issues but I guess we will see sort of how that plays out. We don't really know a lot about him except for these little bits that we've seen. Um, and then we see Zach saying that it's like, these people aren't grown up because they moved to the Valley and pumped out a couple of kids. And that's so true. I feel like that's what we were saying about this show when we did get the initial teaser. We were just like just because like you moved and you had kids, you guys are still the same people you always were, you guys are still immature trash. But we do know that we are going to see a lot of um, crossovers from the show between Vanderpump Rules in the Valley, because we've seen Tom, Tom, Jax, Brittany, Kristen, Sheena, and Lala all doing confessionals or after show scenes together, so that'll be really interesting. I don't know, I do have high hopes for the show, I know a lot of people don't, but in terms of drama, it always came from from Jackson from Kristen, right? So you know, they may not be your most lovable characters in terms of personality, but they definitely bring the drama. And if anyone's going to do a show like this and have it succeed, I do believe it to be them. So I'm really looking forward to March 19th.
1: I take sketch comedy very seriously, so it offends me when people just think that they can
0: just do it. Okay, let's get into the Summer House premiere. So there's not a ton here because, you know, it's, it's a premiere, right? So it's mostly a setup sort of episode. Um, we see the typical scenes that we do of everybody driving up in the car, going to uh, the Hamptons. We see Paige, Gabby, Sierra, and Danielle driving up together. Um, so this is pretty interesting. So Danielle, at this point, so remember, she and Robert have broken up. This is post-Winterhouse. And she says that she was in Montauk the weekend before, and it was Hookup Central. And she said that she saw Robert, her ex, with his new girlfriend. And she was like, yeah, I-, I definitely think there was overlap because they worked together. And I had no idea. I thought Robert was, like, a stand-up guy. And she's basically saying, like, I have just found out, like, all this shit after the fact. Like... You know, they, they worked together, they knew each other a long time, and I, I feel like he had, um, had cheated on me. It, I, I had no idea all of that was going on. And maybe that explains a little bit more as to why Danielle seemed so maybe erratic on Winter House and maybe not her best self. But I hope we see her in her best light this summer. I do think some advice to Danielle would be not to hook up with randoms only because she doesn't seem to be able to handle it. She says she's the type of girl that just wants to have fun and hook up. But then she does seem to be able or she does seem to be catching feelings or getting upset. I mean, that's what we saw in Winterhouse. So maybe that would be my advice for Danielle for the summer. Um, so then we see Kyle and Amanda picking up their, this new guy, West. And West met Lindsay the prior summer and he has swagger. He's like a cool guy. Um, and I don't know, it's just like another white guy they're bringing to the show with, with a mustache. He seems nice. He seems funny, but I guess we'll see. Um, and then Carl and Lindsay are saying that they're not going to be coming for the first weekend because they are going to the White House, um, and they actually throw in, like, like, Lindsay's like, I mean, who gets to go to the White House? I mean, Ariana. And I love that little crossover with Vanderpump Rules. Um, then they have this other new guy coming called Jesse, and he's Kyle's friend. Amanda said that, um, she likes spending time away from Kyle, and that after she took a pregnancy test, which they did on Winter House, she said that they haven't really been in a good place, um... We also see that page saying that um, Craig is her sweet, sweet, sensitive boyfriend, and she's been taking care of him for two years now. (laughs) I absolutely love the way she describes this. This It's so funny. Um, And she talks about how they had a conversation last year where she's saying she wants to be with him, but she isn't ready for that next step. So she's going to spend the summer with her friends, which is fine because we know that Craig attends very frequently at the summer house on weekends. Then we get a little bit more into West. He says that his mom is an OBGYN, his dad was a cattle rancher, and so dinner conversations were very interesting at the dinner table. He said that, for example, there's four different grades of vaginal tears and he was a three. I think that's so great that he knows that about himself. So I I don't know, I think we might get a little bit of hilarity from him. I hope he gives us a little bit of levity. I think we need a funny guy on the show. I think the show is lacking a funny guy. Um, Sierra starts watching Wes cook and she's kind of flirting with him. And she says, it's so nice to meet a guy who like asks you about you. And that's totally true. Um, then we see Amanda and Paige talking about how Danielle and Lindsay aren't friends, but they seem to exist around each other and are just fine. They go to parties in the same room and and they're fine about it. And we see Danielle talking about how last summer was rough, losing her best friend and her boyfriend. So this summer she just wants to have fun. But we do know that, you know, post all of this, Danielle and Lindsay are great now, as Danielle was really supportive to Lindsay and helped her through her breakup with Carl. So if anything good could have come of all of that, it's the, the resurgence of the friendship between Danielle and Lindsay, which we thought was lost forever um Kyle talks about how he and Amanda are not on the same page they all go to a carnival together and at the carnival Kyle's saying like what he wants for the summer is for them to spend more time together and Amanda says well that's sort of your fault because you're always at the office and she says like we used to have fights about this where all I wanted was to spend time with you but eventually I got used to it he's like yeah but now I want it and and he said that like he'll go on a trip and when he comes back she doesn't really seem to miss him and she's like yeah well like I'm just here living my life I'm taking care of the dogs I'm watching tv so I'm fine but like I don't know okay we'll use the summer to get our groove back i don't know i mean it's i didn't think we were going to be getting anything from kyle and amanda this summer i thought this entire season was going to be about carl and Lindsay. so this is really interesting um but we'll get into that later as they go into it a bit um later so then um we have a scene where the next morning after they go to the carnival Paige is in her bed, and then everyone else starts to slowly sort of pile in, and then it becomes the most exciting thing because everyone in the house is on the bed, so all seven of them, and Paige is, like, losing her fucking mind because, as we know, Paige loves the bed. And to have everyone meet her at her level, <laughs> in a sense, was the best. She was so, so excited about it. Um, so then Amanda and Kyle talk in the kitchen with Danielle, and Amanda's talking about how, like, Kyle is blaming her. Um, when all he does all night is like hang up with other people. So like, she's getting mad at him basically about the conversation he had with her, um, at the carnival the night before. He's like, you don't spend enough time with me. And then the entire night, all he does is spend the night with this banana that he won at the carnival. So she's like, what the fuck? He's doing this thing where he's just blaming it on me when actually he's the one that's working so much. He's the one that Is sort of suffering and doesn't know what's going on left or right, but he's blaming it on me. But again, we will get back to that later. Um, So then they're having a big July first party, right? This is what they always do, have a big party. So Lindsay and Carl call Gabby who's at the house and Gabby tells them that everyone is having a really good time and all seven of them are together and like nobody's missing and that just says everything and Lindsay's like well well, we're, we're missing we're not there and Gabby's like yeah but the vibes are really good it's like a completely different house and this is so hilarious because Gabby obviously doesn't realize that the common denominator obviously is Carl and Lindsay like in Gabby's mind she's like oh my god the house is so good the vibes are so good everyone's getting along and we're all here and it's all going well But what she's not obviously understanding is like the reason it is probably going well and everyone is getting along is because Carl and Lindsay are are not there. And you just said that to Carl and Lindsay, but she has absolutely no idea that she is saying this. Absolutely hilarious. So then we have this uh, Jesse Solomon guy arrive. This is the guy who's friends with Kyle, our second new guy. Um, He says he has the voice of an angel and he tries to sing on camera and I'm not going to replicate it because I just don't do that um Kyle pulls Paige to talk and he says that you know you know he's sort of been shutting down he says he and Amanda are not functioning as well as a team as he'd like and he's saying that her beef is that he works too much but he's like okay but I'm doing this for us and Paige says to the camera that part of the issues are that these are just things that are his wife's personality and he didn't realize that when they got married and he talks about like the thought of adding kids into their non-functioning relationship scares the shit out of him And then Amanda tells, like, Paige and Sierra that, like, Kyle is just about work. He takes it out on her and, you know, that's just sort of what's happening here. So this is sort of interesting. It's not like when Amanda, when Kyle is approaching Amanda about his issues with her that she's completely open to it, which some would say is sort of a bad thing, right? Like, your husband is communicating with you, like, listen to him and and sort of work on the issue that he's discussing. But in this circumstance, she's she's acting as though, and we're not in the relationship, so we don't really know, but she's acting as though we have had this conversation and this is something that you know, you say you have an issue with, but then you act in the opposite way, as she explained, right? So she's of the belief that he's actually just working too much, he's stressed, and he doesn't know what's what. And that's what his real issue is, and that he's taking it out on her. And if that's the situation, that is not okay. But it sounds like they almost need a therapist to sort of work through this, because on one end, he thinks it's one thing on her end, she thinks it's another thing. And because they are not on the same page as to what the issue is, they're not going to ever be able to meet in the middle right now Kyle and Amanda have been through a lot over the years we've seen them go through cheating we've seen them go through such rough times but I always just thought they would make it through it because they have been together for so long and they've sort of been the mom and dad of this group almost the Tom and Ariana right in a sense so I'm not going to get too worried yet um I want to see how the summer plays out but I am I'm hoping they are able to find common ground when it comes to the strife in their relationship because they're going to need this going forward. That's my opinion! Okay, let's quickly get into Rachel Goes Rogue. She released a very quick episode on Tuesday right before the um, next episode of Vanderpump Rules released and I knew she wanted to have some information uh, that she wanted to say about Graham for sure. But she starts with talking about Tom in the headlines lately in the New York Times article. She says that... Sandoval actually taught Rachel um, to wait to have conversations in person because this is something that is talked about in the article where if you have to recreate those conversations, it's less genuine. So a lot of times he'll wait or ask to have one of his friends come and talk to him to have a conversation because he's so used to that, to have to wait to have those real life conversations. Um... The article explains the effects of reality TV and how it impacts a regular person and she talks about how these people and herself had these long-standing roles on the show where a show like The Bachelor is like for a short period of time. But when you're on a show like this where you're on it for 10-11 years, your reality can be skewed, right? When is it the job and when is it real life? And eventually you're living the storyline on the show. She said that she is trying to stay in reality and she knows Tom's Tom's priorities were the show and this is one of the reasons she didn't go back. She said when she would hang out with him, you know, her reality would get really confusing. And she's saying that, like, sort of the article and the public perception right now is is that people are saying that maybe Tom should take a year off in process. And she says that's why she didn't come back and that's what she went to go and do. Um, in terms of Graham, she says that when Graham was given to James, Lisa didn't use her name on the, or the story that was, um, that she had surrendered the dog to a kill shelter and that it was hours away from being euthanized and she's relieved now and because she won't be getting more death threats, which is insane that she was getting that. Um, so she was talking about the show. She was just happy that Lisa didn't use her name or the story, um, and she also mentions that her family was in contact with the foster that was training and taking care of Graham. So she knew the whole story about how Lisa had adopted him. And she thinks Lisa realized that she had all the information. So it wouldn't have made sense for her to try and like, make the story more salacious and make it like bring him to a kill shelter and all of this kind of stuff. Um, she said that she thinks that putting the scenes of Tom's mental health on camera make it seem like The show is using Tom's mental health as a storyline this season. She said if Lisa were actually really concerned about his mental health, she had a responsibility to get him mental health care. And she said that she feels icky about it. She said that she doesn't like that Tom keeps talking about hers or Ariana's mental health, which I completely agree with. And this was interesting. She said that she actually asked Tom to move out of the house and that she gave him an apartment to stay in, which we know. And she asked him to move out of the house that he had with Ariana and find a new place by the time she got out of the facility. And he said, that's not happening. So she's curious if whether the things he has done could be cancel worthy. So let's go back on this a little bit. Um, I was really interested in what she was saying about the idea of these long standing roles on the show, right? So if you're on a show like Love is Blind, The Bachelor, anything like that, you're on this show for 30 days, 10 days, you know, these very short brief periods of time, and then You go back to your regular life, your regular family, your regular world, while on a show like this, which is actually a show about your life as opposed to a show like The Bachelor of Love is Blind, where you're brought to a location where isn't your location and you're on vacation or you're in a mansion or, you know, you're not in your regular life or your regular home, while on Vanderpump Rules, it's a show about your life and about your home and about everything that's going on with you. So if the show is about your life and you've been on the show for 10 years how can you separate that reality versus your real life, right? I mean, or sorry, the reality versus the show. Where is the line? Is there a line? Are those lines blurry? It seems extremely blurry. So I thought that was really interesting, what she was saying about that. Then when she was talking about um, Graham, um, what I really thought was interesting here was, I I do think that, I I totally agree with her. I think that Lisa and Bravo decided not to put in the story that they were going to go off with about Graham and Rachel giving him to a kill shelter. Um, But at the same time, the scene was very confusing and still is because there was no information sort of given and her not even being mentioned just made it seem like very bizarre. Um, It seemed like there was no transition. Like, obviously, us content creators knew what happened, but for people who were not following the filming last summer or don't know what happened with Rachel and the dog or how, you know, (laughs) like, I mean it must seem so odd to that those members of the audience to see Lisa give Graham to James when the last they heard Raquel was in a facility and James was still her or sorry and Graham's was still her dog right so I thought that was sort of interesting and the other thing that sort of like upset me about this was okay if that's when Graham was given to James in the episode which was at um, Vanderpump Dogs then how come the next week we see her taking him to Lake Tahoe? So we know going into this that um, he was put on a private jet and brought to Lake Tahoe to, I guess, surprise the rest of the group, but to bring a dog that's basically a rescue dog on a plane after what he's been through for the last three months is wildly inappropriate, and somebody who has a dog organization that is supposed to protect and rescue and support dogs I am very, very surprised that she would even agree to this. What should have happened was James shouldn't have gone on the trip and should have stayed home with the dog. I mean, you don't take the dog out of their new home for several weeks after you bring them into a new home. So to put a dog on a plane, which I think was several days prior to James even getting to Tahoe, so he was just hanging out, I guess, with Lisa and Nicolaine and Ken, I don't know, not in his home, not in his natural environment, not with people he actually knows very well, and then hanging out with this whole group in Tahoe and then driving back. I don't know. Just the whole thing just seems really icky. And then when it comes to the mental health of it all, I thought what she's saying is interesting. I do think that they are using Tom's mental health as a storyline this season, but at the same time, he is the one bringing it up. So if he's talking about it, like what else could they be talking about if, if that's what he is like literally conversing about if he's talking about his suicidal ideation, how can the show not reflect that? But at the same time, let's assume, you know, this is serious. And, and, and we are, right? If somebody makes these kinds of claims, it is a very serious thing. So if Lisa truly believed that Tom was in that place, she shouldn't have been trying to coerce Sheena and Lala to befriend him. That is not the solution to suicidal ideation. The solution would be professional help so if the show and if bravo and lisa all believed that tom was surely feeling this way should they not have shut down production lowered the cameras and got him into therapy that's the confusing part for me or do you guys not feel like he was being genuine did you feel like he was weaponizing his mental health and he was lying about all of this so you continued filming that's that's where it gets confusing and and i'm just not really sure so that's it on rachel goes rogue for the week he's a battered wife look at him okay so let's get into Vanderpump rules so in this week's episode we have Katie and Ariana talking about something about her and how someone had pooped on their patio and how they just had to get new permits so it's ADA compliant and there's just so much logistical red tape and that's basically why they're not going to Tahoe except for the fact that Ariana basically says like If I wasn't busy, I would have made myself busy." (laughs) And Katie's like, Tom is such a people pleaser that he doesn't want to leave people out, and he must not even think this is a good idea either. Um, Katie asks Ariana how it would be if everyone came back besties, and Ariana said, that would be tough, but she has to respect her own boundaries. And I think that's fair. So then we have the scene of James bringing Graham home to Ali, and Ali, and you know, he explains that he's like a rescue now, it was a foster thing, it wasn't good. And again, there's just like very little information here as to like what actually happened. And then Allie's sort of freaking out because her cat, Banks, has never met a dog, and she says she's not sure if she's, like, ready for the responsibility. And she actually says something kind of sweet here. She's like, you know, what if Raquel wants him back? And James is like, well, he's our dog now. And Allie's like, yeah, but if someone took Banks for me after I lost everything. And, you know, that really shows the kind of person Allie is and the kind of compassion that she has, because all she's thinking about in that moment when looking at Graham is how Rachel would feel, you know? So Allie says that... Um, she's worried about Graham's behavior and James says that he doesn't hold on. He just like nips and Allie's like, no, that can't happen. Like we've got the two cats and if this happens, he's going right back to Lisa's. And I'm sort of surprised by that statement because I don't know. James has already, I, I mean, as a dog, but James has already promised Graham this will be his home for the rest of his life. And i was just surprised to see it. To see Ali just sort of shut down like that. But, anyways, um, so then we see Tom and Tom going shopping for clothes in Tahoe. Schwartz sees um, an article on his phone and it says that Raquel is now using the name Rachel. And Sandoval's like, Yeah, I knew about the Rachel thing, but it wasn't like my place to reveal that. Now, he does this a few times throughout the episode where he says something like, You know, I, I already knew about that, but I wasn't going to say. It-, it sort of gives the vibe of like when somebody dies and other people around start acting like, oh, I was best friends with that person. It's, it's just giving that sort of vibe where like anything you'll see, like every time something comes up about Rachel, he'd be like, yeah, I knew about that because like I was closer with her and I was like more important to her. So that's why I knew it. But I couldn't tell you guys because we were so close and, you know, we're so tight and that's our secret together. That's it's just, I don't know. That was just sort of the vibe it was giving. Then he says that he knew she was out of the facility and he said he texted her and he said, hey, don't know if you're out yet, but I'm thinking of you and hope you're doing okay and didn't get a response. He said that after she didn't reach out on his birthday, he really started thinking something was going on and that she wasn't talking to him. He said that her publicist is sending all of his calls to her voicemail and that she doesn't want to face the world. Okay. No, Tom, she doesn't want to face you or talk to you. I am actually so happy that she's doing this podcast to be able, not all of it, because I i don't like some of the episodes, especially the ones that have to do, or she has like a, a mental health therapist on, but again, that's only because I am just such a pop culture podcast lover. Those are the only kinds of podcasts I like, but I digress. Um... Yeah, I'm glad she's doing this podcast because she was super fucking clear that he was constantly trying to get her to leave the facility despite the fact that she had mentioned that she did not feel safe to herself to do so. He calls herself for, sh- for staying there. And now he seems so confused as to why she's not speaking to him. And in my mind, the only reason is because this is how he's always treated women, or this is how he's always treated her. And so he just expects this to be completely fine. He probably didn't take any of those conversations where he was calling her selfish and trying to get her to leave a facility when she wasn't well. um, He probably didn't take any of that as detrimental or serious in terms of what would happen to their relationship. He just thought that was, I guess, a normal conversation to be having. But to her, it was the end. And not only was that the end, I'm just going to remind you all that he also tried to weaponize his mental health against her when she again told him that she wanted to stay and didn't want to leave yet. She was not ready. And he said, well, I had to have Kyle Chan come and take all the guns out of the house. I'm, I'm, I'm having dark thoughts. And so he's trying to lure her out of the facility with his mental health. But he's doing that to someone with mental health issues, which is so, so, so fucked up. So the fact that he's sitting there acting like, oh, I just don't know why she doesn't want to talk to me seems a little bit confusing. Tom, like, listen to her fucking podcast or use your brain and your memories anyways. Sheena and Brock go bikini shopping. And I have never seen them like this. Like, this is super fucking weird. So Sheena's talking about being nervous about being in the same house with Tom and, like, will he try to talk to her? Will Ariana get mad at her? And Brock just starts talking about, like, all the effort to try to find a new nanny, and now they're at square one because Tori is taking care of a newborn. And he's like, we can't have your mom around 24-7 for the rest of our lives. And she's like, I'm not comfortable with a stranger watching our kid. And they have this whole fight at the store, and he said that she won't even take the steps to sort of try to do that. And he's like, I can't figure out why you think only your mom can do the job of a nanny. And he said, it's because your mom makes you paranoid, it makes you believe you're not a good mom, it makes you even more paranoid. And so they get in this whole fight about it there, and, like, it's it's super awkward to watch, but also just, like, it seems to be the biggest thing in their relationship. And we'll talk about this more in the after show, but it seems to be more about Sheena's mom to Brock than it is about Sheena. And I guess he's more concerned that Sheena's mom is making her feel paranoid or making her feel like a bad mom. So... He wants her to be able to have somebody else take care of the child to see that, you know, that she is a good mom, that she can do it. And it's it's complicated, especially with Sheena's postpartum OCD and her what makes her feel most comfortable, what makes her feel like she can let go. I mean, the parameters are so different for her because of her OCD, but you can see how much this is really causing very very significant strife in their relationship but we'll get to that more in the after show so then james explains that it was too late to add graham to his plane ticket so lisa offered to take graham to tahoe on the private jet which we talked about earlier and how fucked up that is um then we see sheen and brock fighting some more about laundry and she's bas- basically she's just annoyed by everything he's doing at this point um then Brock is sort of the first one that goes over to talk to Tom. So they're all sort of staying in the same house in Tahoe. It's a it's a house that Tom Schwartz has rented, but they're all sort of like staying away from each other. And Brock meets uh Tom in the kitchen and he's like, "Listen, like people are concerned about getting through this weekend because they don't feel heard by you and they don't feel like you've taken accountability." And Tom is like, "I just don't want to talk about this now, man." And Brock is like, "Okay, but like you put everyone's friendship in a horrible situation." And Tom's like, "Yeah, look, I had no malicious intent." But like the things that were, but then he says to the camera, like, however, like the things that were done to him and Raquel, he feels like were with malicious intent. But it's annoying, first of all, that he keeps speaking for her as well. But his, in his mind, he feels like he was wronged as well by people like Sheena and Lala. So he feels like this isn't just a situation where he needs to apologize to them. He feels like it needs to be a mutual conversation. So Brock says, if there's any advice I can give you, it's that your feelings are valid, but there are other people here who were affected too. We are not your enemy. We are just very hurt friends. And for someone who is not as eloquent of a speaker as most, I actually think Brock communicated that very effectively. And, you know, then James surprises the group with Graham and Tahoe, and he makes sort of like a quick statement about it. So he's like, when you go away and you can't handle your situation, this is what happens. Okay, again, that's that's no information. Then Sandoval tells the camera that he knows the real story of what happened to Graham, but he doesn't want to make any waves. So again, this is Sandoval again, um, being like, I know the real story and I know what really happened, but I'm not really going to say. Which annoys me for several reasons, but one being that... You know, Rachel did say she anticipates Sandoval will turn on her and we've already seen that a little bit because in the after show, not for this episode, but in the previous episode, he made some comment about the dog being like so close to being euthanized and he can't believe that she did that. But here he's telling the camera he knows the real story of what happened with Graham but doesn't want to make waves. So it's really annoying that he would make a statement like that in the after show when he knows the real story. Um, Tom tells Allie that All he knows is that Graham had attacked a couple of people, and they were just like, I can't, and tried to find him a home. Um, And Allie's basically like, well, you know, if Rachel can rebrand, or if Raquel can rebrand as Rachel, then Graham can rebrand as Hippie, and James renames him Hippie, which we all knew from last summer as well. Um, then we see Ariana talking at home um, to her designer, and she's talking about how there's furniture in the house that was acquired jointly. So she says she's come around to the idea of him owning the walls of the house, even though we know now that not to be true, but she needs to be compensated for the stuff in it. Um, so that's just sort of where she is now with the house. Then we're back in Tahoe, and we see Brock apologizing to Sheena about fighting with her at the bikini store, and he says that he should be more aware of her feelings, which is totally true. Then they all go to dinner at Wolf. And Schwartz is talking about how he's single now, but he's not ready to mingle. He says that Joe is not living with him, um, but I think they may still have been in a friends with benefits situation at the time. Um, He says he's not stoked about being single, but he doesn't have the emotional capacity to be in a relationship right now. Then Lisa pulls, like, such a housewife sort of move, because, like, the table's sort of quiet and no one's really saying anything, and Lisa goes, James, why don't you say something nice about Sandoval, which is so, like, a housewife game that they would play in any housewife show that would lead to a huge fucking fight. But James isn't a housewife, and he feels put on the spot, and so he doesn't really know what to say. And then you see Lala being like, oh, wow, is a different dog. Okay, remember, again, at this point, this dog has not received any training. He has bitten people up to a few days prior to this, right? Because he has only been rehomed very, very, very recently back to James. He has not received any of that training yet. So I don't know how this dog is different already. But again, I digress. I'm constantly digressing. So then Sandoval says that he gave Ariana an offer to buy her out, and he hasn't talked to her since the reunion. Um, Sheena says to the camera that she doesn't understand how either of them can fully move on from each other until they have a complete clean break, which I feel like we've talked about to death, but yes, totally true. And then we have an important scene where Tom pulls James aside to talk. Tom says to James that he never meant to hurt anybody, and James says, like, if you were smart, though, you could have ended things with Ariana and been with Raquel and have had things work out. And if you wanted to break up with Ariana, you should have just said goodbye and walked out the door. And Tom is like, it's not that easy. And James is like, it is that simple. If that's what you really wanted, then that's what you should have done. And James asks Tom if he's going to be with her. And Tom says he doesn't know because he's torn between resentment and love. Now, I don't know what this means exactly, because at this point in time, they're not speaking. Um, he's confused. So I don't know if the resentment at this point is the fact that she didn't call him on his birthday or that she hasn't been speaking to him or even the resentment that he seemed to have, according to her, for just being in the facility at all. And then James asks him, was it worth it? And Sandoval says he doesn't know. He tells the camera it wasn't just being with Rachel. It was also getting out of a relationship that wasn't suiting his life. It needed to change. He, so he apologizes to James for discounting their friendship. And James says that it scared him. Like, he felt like, do I even have a real friend in this life? Like, I'm not sure. He felt that Sandoval would never fuck him over. He totally trusted him. And I think that's why James was so affected by this. So I think we got a little bit more here. So I don't think it was necessarily the Raquel of it all. I think it's more so that he had this trust in Sandoval and he had this trust in his friendships. And this situation made him sort of question not just Sandoval, but sort of like, is anyone a real friend to me? Because if someone who was so close to me would do this, what about all these other people? And I feel like that's a conversation a lot of people who moved to LA have because You know, LA is known for its glitz and glamour and its fake people. And I think a lot of people realize after a while of being there that the people in their lives are not as genuine as they thought they were going to be. And I think that James was going through a moment like that. And I think that's why this affected him in such a negative way. But he does say that nothing will ever be the same. And he totally agrees. And, um... So when he says betrayal, that's what he means. He's talking more so about the betrayal of the friendship. And Tom says that he promises to listen to him better. And I know that that was really difficult for Tom, and I'm not defending Tom in any respect here whatsoever. I'm only saying it's difficult for Tom because we know that Tom has such a hard time without being like, I'm sorry, but. But in this one circumstance, when he talked to James, he didn't do an I'm sorry, but. He genuinely apologized, hurt him. And said he was going to do better. And there was actually one part where James was like, okay, but like he wanted to keep fighting with him. But then he realized Sandoval said everything that he wanted him to say, right? Sandoval actually said like, you know, this should have never fucking happened. And I would never do something like this ever again. And there's really no answer beyond that, right? So that's basically the end of VPR. And then we get into the after show. So there wasn't much here because there wasn't much in the actual episode. But Ariana says that she and Katie skipped Tahoe. Um, Oh, this was where she said that they were, if they weren't busy, they would have made themselves busy. Um, Schwartz talks about how he was looking forward to the trip. Not so much to get the band back together, but to try to get them to breathe the same air. Um, Lala and Sheena said that they totally understood why Katie and Ariana didn't go. And I totally do as well. I mean, that would have been obscene um sandoval um talked about how he was acknowledged by the group for the first time when they were at the airport going to tahoe and how that meant so much to him so we saw him crying in a scene in the car and we saw him crying on the vpr after show and then they cut to sheena and lala just being like we just said hi (laughs) she's just like i don't know we're not going to be rude to him he was standing five feet in front of me so i just said hi but it just shows the difference in terms of how people can perceive a moment right Um, Sandoval says that the first thing he thought of when he saw Graham in Tahoe was, oh, this is really bad. I need to tell Rachel. Um, the cast had no real reaction to Rachel changing her name. Um, Lala said that weaponizing Rachel's name was all in good, petty fun. You fucked up. This, I don't know. It, It was petty. Was it good, petty fun? I don't know. She had called herself Raquel her whole life. You guys were being petty and calling her Rachel. I don't know. I mean, Lala has been very back and forth, right? I mean, she just has this whole time. She was so, so, so into it, and now she's just so, so, so out of it. Schwartz explains a little bit about the whole, you know, being single thing, and he's saying, like, Not that he's ready for a relationship, because he's not, but he's saying, like, he just didn't expect to be 40 and single. Like, he didn't expect to be at this stage in his life, at this stage in his life. He's saying, like, for example, his apartment costs more than his mortgage, and he's not building equity. Sandoval even mentions that Schwartz's apartment is, like, the first apartment you get out of, like, college sort of thing. And so, I don't know, that's just kind of sad, but I totally understand what he's saying. He's not ready for it, but he just didn't think that at 40, this is where he'd be, that he'd be living in, like, this shit apartment, he wouldn't own a home, and he wouldn't be married. That's basically what he's saying. Um, and then Ariane and Katie talk about something about her, and how they thought it was going to be easy because of the second generation of um, the restaurant, and that everything had already been approved. So none of the issues that they're having are in their hands, which we know, and I totally support you, and something about her will open maybe in five years, but when it does... I will be their first customer. I'm very, very excited. I have all the merch. Um, Sandoval says that he never did any of, you know, this, meaning the affair, for malicious reasons, and he says he doesn't know how it happened. How it happened? Well, you put your penis in Raquel's vagina, and that's how it happened. So I don't know what he means there. Um, Sandoval says that James really looked up to him, and he inspired James in a lot of ways back in the day. Shut the fuck up, you douche canoe. Like, yeah, okay, James said he looked up to you, but saying that he inspired you, like, you inspired James? How did you inspire James? You're such a douche canoe. Anyways, so then we have Sheena talking about uh, more about Brock. And so she explains it more here. She says that, so Brock wants her to hire a nanny, And let her mom be more of the grandma and not the grandma and the nanny as one thing. She does come with a lot of opinions, and it does a number on her confidence. It makes her question herself and her parenting. So Brock wanted her to step away a little so she could learn to have the confidence on her own. Sheena says that she's so fortunate to have her mom around, um, but then she became dependent on on her mom and how her mom does things. So she knows if she has to go out her mom will just do things the right way. And so she likes that routine in the sense of her OCD. And that totally makes sense to me. And she says that she doesn't have to worry because she knows how her mom does things. And so that just puts her mind at ease when it comes to leaving her daughter. She says that exposure therapy has done wonders for her. And now she spends time alone with her daughter. So that's great. And it gives us a lot more context because during the episodes, we've been seeing Brock get so aggressive and so angry about this nanny situation, but it really does seem like it's an issue with the mom and how the mom is affecting Sheena's confidence in her parenting. But I also believe, and we have seen this in a previous season, I believe season nine, when we were first really introduced to Brock, that Brock and Sheena's mom do not like each other. I mean, Brock basically called Sheena's mom like the hired help or something like that in episode not or in season nine. So. Unfortunately, I think there is quite the strife there as well. So I don't know if for Brock, the issue is truly as much that her mom is sort of taking over parenting of Summer and wants to do it a certain way, or it's more so that he just does not like Sheena's mom. Um, but, you know, this is an interesting storyline to see play out. I don't think because we we never really had kids on the show before the last few years and they weren't as integrally involved, but to see how kids play a part in this relationship and in this friend group will be interesting to watch. Um, and that's it for Vanderpump Rules this week. Name him. That was... Name them. Well, Name what him. you
1: did was ridiculous. Name them. Uh, not having... Name uh, Well, be quiet. So Name let him. me talk. Jesus!
0: Okay, guys, that's it for I Take Bravo Very Seriously. You guys can download this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, I Take Bravo Very Seriously. You can also follow me on TikTok at The Bravo Investigator. You can follow me on Instagram at The Bravo Investigator and at I Take Bravo Very Seriously. And please, guys, if you don't mind, please leave a five-star review. And until next time, keep taking Bravo very seriously.